0: What does Motion sound like? With Hands free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of Motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast. Making the Bible come to life featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzen, Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash bible. and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Jesus stood there, his face streaked with sweat, blood, and tears. He was scared enough of the trial to come that he had asked his father, his his Abba, his daddy, to find another way to complete the plan, another way to pay the penalty for humanity's sin. But the answer kept coming back, no, no, this was the only way. And in submission, Jesus, every time he prayed, ended his prayer with the same phrase, not my will, Father but yours be done. And so he came back to his sleepy friends who who he had asked to pray with him, to stay up with him, and to do battle against the dark forces beginning to surround him. But between a mixture of the late hour, it's maybe two, three in the morning, and, and mix that with the sadness the disciples felt, or Peter, James, and John in particular felt over the revelations that they had heard in the last couple of hours that Peter was going to deny them, that Jesus was going somewhere they couldn't follow and that they were going to strike the shepherd and all the sheep were going to be scattered. And that made them all so sad. And and then the third thing basically was their spiritual laziness, to be honest, because Jesus keeps telling them to wake up, to watch, to be spiritually alive. But that inner three of Peter, James, and John, they kept falling asleep. They fell asleep the first time, they fell asleep the second time, and here the third time. Jesus wakes them up one more time. But you know, when you read the account of the Gospels, when he wakes them up, Jesus, this time, he sounds different. He sounds like a man with a stronger spirit, ready to complete the will of the Father, no matter the cost. And here came the beginning of the end. See, Jesus can see a company of soldiers with the betrayer Judas leading the way. See, Judas had left the Last Supper. And at that point, his intent was to betray Jesus. And so Jesus goes to the Jewish officials, and they find a company or a legion of Roman soldiers, and so Judas says, I'm going to lead you guys, and we're going to go arrest Jesus. And Judas knew exactly where to go. Judas knew exactly where Jesus and the disciples would be, their favorite spot. Even at two, three in the morning, he knew they would be at their favorite spot, the garden The Garden of Gethsemane. So Judas was about to lead them out. But before he does, he stops and says, All right, I want you to know. He's probably yelling this so they all could hear it. I will reveal who this man Jesus is with a kiss. The book of Mark basically says that the type of kiss Judas mentions at that point is a peck on the cheek. Whoever I give a peck on the cheek to, that is Jesus and arrest him. And so he sets out with between 300 to some people think as large as a thousand Roman soldiers and, and officials. And I think he probably led somewhere in the region of about 600 people out that morning. And he led them out of the city of Jerusalem and towards the garden. Now remember, this is early, early morning. So it is pitch black dark some people think it was between two and five in the morning think around i think around 3 a.m it is dark and so the soldiers and the officials and judas have to hold torches flaming torches above their heads to see where they are going and that's how jesus sees them this winding line of torches making their way towards him through the garden And he sees his ex-friend coming towards him with this mass of humanity behind him. He even tells the disciples around him, look, the betrayer is here. Later on in the exchange, it's interesting, Jesus calls Judas his friend. But at that moment, seeing Judas leading the men towards him, Jesus is honest. And he calls out what Judas is doing. Look, my betrayer is here. Well, Judas walks up with this mob of people behind him. These soldiers and officials all holding clubs and swords. And they surround Jesus and the disciples. And in the middle of all this, Judas walks up to Jesus and calls Jesus Rabbi, which is a term of respect. And then he does the most disrespectful thing he's going to ever do. He calls him rabbi and walks up and he kisses Jesus on the cheek. But according to Mark, this was no quick peck on the cheek like he said he was going to do earlier. No, this was a more caring, you are my friend. I love you type of kiss on the cheek. And to me, this is one of the things that points to how evil Judas was. I mean, he could have pointed him out to the soldiers. He could have kissed Jesus' hand. He could have bowed down to him specifically, but instead... He chose a kiss that says to Jesus, I I care about you, I'm your friend. A kiss on the cheek that conveys a a warm, friendly greeting. That's what Judas gave Jesus. But instead of a kiss of greeting and friendship and love, as it looked like it was, instead, in reality, it was a kiss of betrayal can imagine Jesus wipes the saliva of the kiss off of his cheek and he turns to Judas. The Bible records that Jesus asks Judas, Judas, he asks him this question, Judas, are you going to betray me with a kiss? He's essentially saying, Judas, are you going to betray me with an act of friendship, an act of love and respect? You're going to use that action to have me arrested and killed? Judas, Judas, I'm telling you, Judas was truly evil. Judas then turns to the crowd around him and asks who they were seeking, and the soldiers and officials, they say, we are seeking Jesus of Nazareth. And then, when they say we're seeing Jesus of Nazareth, then something amazing happens. I think one of the most amazing things to happen during this whole scene, when they say, hey, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus turns and says, I am he. That's all he said. I am he. But when he said those words Something incredible happened. When Jesus says, I am he, the 600 plus men who are surrounding him are boom, flattened to the ground. They're just knocked flat on their backs. But it seems in that moment that the word he may not have been included by Jesus in the original statement. Many people believe what Jesus said was in fact two words not three. The two words he said were, I am. Boom! They're knocked to the ground. The two words he said were, I am, the very name of God. And at that moment, at that moment, Jesus, in saying the very name of God, reveals his power, reveals that he is God. Or maybe it was the Father revealing the power his son had. I wonder if it was the use of the word, I am the very name of God that knocked these men to the ground, or did God the Father reveal just a little bit of the glory Jesus had given up to save sinful man through his arrest, death, and resurrection, and look, look what just a glimpse of his glory did, it boom, knocks 600 men to the ground, absolutely knocks them flat. Well, the men get back up and Jesus asked them again, who, who are you seeking? And they repeated Jesus of Nazareth, to which Jesus once again says, I am. And and I wonder if at that moment they're like, oh, oh and they wince. Oh, oh, no, good, good. We're not knocked to the ground again. But this time Jesus didn't reveal his glory. Instead, Jesus let them capture him. He let them arrest him. See, Judas... At that moment, I think he leapt for joy. Yes, he's probably thinking. He's probably thinking he's vindicated. He had finally arrested this big fake Messiah. Now the question here, and the question that comes up is, how could Judas go from adoring disciple to seeking to humiliate and destroy his good friend Jesus? When did this falling out, if you want to call it that, occur between Judas and Jesus? Well, I believe on Judas's side, it had been building for a while now. Judas had been outwardly following Jesus and his disciples, but deep down inside, Judas knew he, Judas, was a hypocrite. John says that Judas had been stealing money from the treasure bag and using it for his own gain for some time. And I think the turning point for Judas was an incident where Jesus allows this big alabaster jar full of perfume to be opened and poured all over his head and hair. I think Judas thought in his head, Didn't Jesus know how much money that perfume was worth? Didn't Jesus understand what a waste of money that just occurred? Judas is even recorded as saying, Master, what did you just allow? We could have taken that perfume and sold it and raised funds for the poor. In fact, Judas stated that they could have sold the perfume for 300 denarii. Now, a denarii was one day's wage. So 300 denarii was 300 days of wages, 300 days of work. Basically, Judas is saying that this bottle of perfume could have been sold for a year's wages. And then Judas says we could have taken that money and used it to buy food and other provisions for the poor. He's so concerned about the poor, Judas is, right? No. No. Judas wasn't interested in helping the poor. He was interested in stealing that money. He's mad because a lot of money was wasted on Jesus. A lot of money he could have been putting in his own pocket. And the Bible says that after that incident, Judas began to look for a way to get Jesus. To hand him over to the Pharisees. What a greedy, selfish, evil human being Judas was. How Judas, who had spent so much time with Jesus, could not see the God-man before him blows my mind. Or or how about when, when Judas sees that Jesus knocked all these men to the ground, including him, by simply saying, I am. Could Judas not see that he is looking at the very Son of God? And could Judas not see what he was doing Could Judas not see that he was handing over the very Son of God to be crucified and killed? How could Judas miss it? Well, I'm afraid some of you listening to this podcast are missing it too. Some of you are kids who grow up in a Christian home and you go to church and you go to Sunday school and you go to VBS and you do all the Christian things, but you don't know Jesus. You've never asked him to save you. You just go through it, hoping one day to leave home and do your own thing. Please don't miss the beauty of our Savior right before you. Don't miss it. Don't wait till you're older to follow him. Some of you are adults, and you miss it. You've been around the church for years. You've heard the Easter story. You've heard the Christmas story. You've heard all this stuff but it hasn't personally changed your life. Don't be like Judas. Judas, do not miss the very Son of God in front of you. Well, at this moment, there was one disciple who did not miss it. He knew exactly who Jesus was. And this disciple was prepared and ready to fight for him. And that disciple... That disciple is good old Peter. See, as the soldiers and officials stepped forward to arrest Jesus, well, Peter, he also stepped forward. But he stepped forward with a sword in his hand and he starts swinging. Now, I don't know if what happened next means Peter had absolutely no hand-to-eye coordination, or maybe it was a pretty significant swing at his head. All I know is that as Peter swung his sword to defend his lord and his friend, instead of lopping off a head, Peter lops off an ear of some poor guy named Malchus. And I wonder when it happened What Malchus thought, ouch, oh, oh, that's my ear. Oh, oh, wow, wow, that's a lot of blood. Oh, my goodness. Clunk faints. I don't know. Many people believe because John, in the book of John, specifically mentions the name Malchus, that this was a man known to the early Christian community. I think that could be true because if you saw it happen next, and if you were Malchus and it happened to you, Man, you'd probably become a follower of Jesus because you know that this man was the son of God. See, when all of this begins to happen, Jesus says, stop, and everyone freezes. They immediately stop fighting. And in the middle of this melee of people, in the middle of this massacre of epic proportions that is about to happen... In the middle of all this chaos, I mean, Malchus's ear was just the beginning of the bloodshed that was about to happen. Can you imagine if Jesus had allowed this fight to continue? Peter swings a sword, chops off Malchus's ear. Well, the Roman soldiers who are trained seasoned fighters, that would have been all they would have needed. And whack, whack, whack. And the bloodshed that would have occurred and those poor 12 disciples would have been massacred. But in the middle of all this, to stop the bloodshed that's about to happen, Jesus shouts, stop, no more. Jesus goes on to say, no more fighting do you not know if I wanted to, I could ask the Father and he would send 12 legions of angels to protect me and to fight for me? No, a legion consisted of 6,000 soldiers, so 12 legions would have been 72,000 angels. In other words, Jesus is saying, put away your measly sword at the snap of a finger, I could call on 72,000 angels who would be here. If I wanted to stop this, if I wanted to win in that way, I could. But that's not the Father's will. The Father's will is for me to drink this cup of suffering and I will follow it. And then Jesus does that other miraculous thing that night. He knocks people over with simply saying the words, I am. And the second miraculous thing he did that night, he heals Malchus's ear. Now Luke says he just touched it and Malchus's ear was healed. Now I don't know if that means Jesus reached over and found the chopped off ear and dusted it off and then stuck it back on Malchus's head or or if he simply touched the side of Malchus's head and bingo, bango there was a new ear. Now, my question is if he did it that way, did Jesus match the ear on the other side or did he make this new one cooler looking? So, you know, years later, Malchus, who's a believer, could point to his ear and say, hey, this one, look, this odd one. This one was created by Jesus, but look how perfect it is. You know, I I don't know, but I think he probably made it normal looking. The key is it was still a miracle, and the key is it points to the love of Jesus. I mean, he could have left Malchus that way. Jesus was being mistreated and he's being arrested and he could have thought in his heart that, you know what, Malchus deserves that. He can go the rest of his life without an ear. But no, our Savior doesn't think that way, right? He thinks he's a God of love. In the middle of his suffering, Jesus reaches out in love and he healed Malchus. What a wonderful Savior. And so the soldiers, officials, and Judas, they arrest Jesus. And it says at that moment, the disciples all ran. No one hung around. They didn't want to get arrested, so they ran. They didn't want to be seen with Jesus at that moment, so they ran. After they saw Peter swing a sword and fail, and after they saw that Jesus was not going to fight, they all ran, but not Jesus. He allowed them to bind his hands. He allowed them to take him under arrest, even though he could have called 72,000 plus angels to stop it. He allowed all of this to happen, to be led to his death. But he did all of that with you and me in mind. He went to his suffering, He went to that horrible death on the cross because he knew it was the only way to pay for the sins of the world, for my sin and for your sin. And he also knew, as the Son of God, he was the only one who could do it. So they arrested him. And led him off to die. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at at baldheadbiblegmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com/baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.